Chapter 50 of Crips the Carrier by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 50 Feminine Error. Meanwhile, at Cross Duck House, ever since that interview of the morning, things were becoming from hour to hour more critical and threatening. If Mr. Sharp could only have believed that his son was now a man, or at least should have been treated as though he were, and if after that the too active lawyer could only have conceived it possible that some things might go on all the better without him, it is likely enough that his righteous and gallant devices would have sped more easily. But Luke Sharp had governed his own little world so long that he scarcely could imagine serious rebellion, and he cared not to hide his large contempt for the intellect of Christopher, or the grievance which he had always felt, it being the father of a donkey, and so, without further probation or pledge, he went forth to make his own arrangements, leaving young Kit to his mother's charge, like a dummy, to be stroked down and dressed. If he had left Kit but an hour before for his mother to tell him everything, and round the corners and smooth the levels and wrap it all up in delicious romance, as women do so easily, with their power of believing whatever they wish, the boy might have jumped at the soft, sweet bait, for he verily loved his sylvan maid. But now all his virtue and courage and even temper were on the outlook, and only one thing more was needed to drive him to a desperate resolve, and that one thing was supplied in the purest innocence by Mrs. Sharp, though the question would never have arisen if her son had been left to her sole handling. Then, mother, I suppose, said Kit as simply as if he smelled no rat whatever, thoroughly as he understood that race. If I should be fortunate enough to marry beautiful Miss Oglander, we shall have to live on bread and cheese until it shall please the senior people to be reconciled and help us. No, Kit, what are you talking of, child? The lady has twenty thousand pounds of her own, and one hundred fifty thousand pounds to follow, which nobody can take from her. With a very heavy heart he turned away. Nothing more was required to settle him. He saw the whole business of the plotting now, and the young romance was out of it. He went to the bow window, looking on the lane, and felt himself akin to a little ragamuffin who was cheating all the other boys at marbles. Hard bitterness and keen misery were battling in his mind which should be the first to have its way and speak. "'This comes of being a lawyer's son,' he cried, turning around for one bad glance at his mother. "'She said that she disliked the law,' I don't dislike, I abhor it. So you may, my dear boy, and welcome now. This will lift you altogether beyond it. Your dear father may consider it his duty to continue the office, and so on, but you will be a country gentleman, Kit, with horses, and dogs, and manton guns, and a pack of hounds, and a long barouche, and hot-house grapes. And I will come and live with you, my darling, or at least make our country house of it and show you how to manage things, for the whole world will be trying to cheat you, Kit. You are too good-natured and grand in your ways. You must try to be a little sharper, darling, with that mint of money. Must I? But suppose that I won't have it. Sometimes I believe that you think it mainly to provoke your mother. The money ought to have been ours, Kit, mine by heritage and justice, at least a year and a half ago. A moderate provision should have been made for a woman who may have her good points, though everybody has failed to discover them, and who married with a view to jointure. 
Ten thousand pounds would have been very handsome, far handsomer than she ever was, poor thing. And then, by every law, human and divine, all the rest must have come to you and me, my dear. Now I hope that you see things in their proper light. Well, I dare say I do, he answered, with a little turn of sulkiness, such as he often got when people could not understand him. Mother, you will allow me to have my own opinion as you have yours? Certainly, Kit, of course, my dear. You know that you always have been allowed extraordinary liberty in that way. No boy in any school could have more, even where all noblemen's sons are allowed to make apple pie beds for the masters. Every night, my dear boy, when your father was away, it was rested with you, and you cannot deny it, to settle to a nicety what there must be for supper. Such trumpery stuff is not worth a thought. I am now like a fellow divided in two. You might guess what I am about a little. It is high time for me to come forward. You cannot see things, perhaps, as I do. How often must I tell you? I give you my word as a gentleman. All this is exceedingly trying. Of course it is, Kit, of course it is. What else could be expected of it? But still we must all of us go through trials. And then we come out purified. Not if we make them for ourselves, mother, and made them particularly dirty ones. But I cannot talk of it. What do I know? A lot of things come tempting me. Everybody laughs at me for wondering what my mind is. And everybody cheats me, as you said. Let the governor carry on his own devices. I have made up my mind to consider a good deal, and behave then according to circumstances. You will behave, I trust, exactly as your parents wish. They have seen so much more of the world than you have. They are far better judges of right and wrong, and their only desire is your highest interest. You will break your poor mother's heart, dear Kit, if you do anything foolish now. The latter argument had so much more weight with young Sharp than the former, but pledging himself as yet to nothing, he ran away to his own room to think, while his mother with serious misgivings went down to see about the soup and hurry on the dinner. She knew that in vaunting Miss Oglander's wealth, she had done the very thing she was ordered not to do, and she was frightened at the way in which her son had taken it. Mr. Sharp did not come home to their early dinner at half-past one o'clock, Indeed, his wife did not expect him much, and his son was delighted not to see him. Kit sat heavily, but took his food as usual. The condition of his mind might be very sad indeed, but his body was not to be driven thereby to neglect the duties of its own department. He helped his dear mother to some loin of mutton, and when she only played with it, and her knife and fork were trembling, he was angered, and his eyes sought hers, and she tried to look at him and smile but made a wretched job of it. Christopher reserved his opinion about this, but it did not help in any way to impair his resolution. For dessert they had a little dish of strawberries from pot plants in the greenhouse, and as they were the first of the season the young fellow took to them rather greedily. His mother was charmed with his condescension and urged him so well that in about three minutes the shining red globes ticked with gold were represented by a small ignoble pile of frilled stalks blurred with pink. At this moment in walked the master of the house. He had been as fully occupied as a certain unobtrusive but never inactive gentleman proverbially must be in a gale of wind. 
The day was unusually warm for the May month, and the streets of Oxford dusty. Mr. Sharp had been working a roundabout course, and working it very rapidly. He had managed to snatch at a sandwich or two, for he could not go long without nourishment, but throughout all his haste he had given himself, with the brightest vision of refreshing joy, just time to catch these strawberries. At least he was sure of it, but now where were they? I see you know how to snap up a good thing, cried the lawyer with a glance of contempt and wrath. Show the same promptitude in what has been arranged for your benefit this afternoon, my boy, and then you will be in earnest what you put on your dog's collars. This was not the way to treat Kit Sharp, but the lawyer never could resist a sneer, even when his temper was at its best, which it certainly was not just now. Kit looked a little ashamed for a moment, but made no excuse for his greediness. He was sure that his mother would do that best. By this time, he had resolved to avoid, for the present, all further dispute with his father. Whatever was arranged for him, he would do his best to accept, with one condition, that he should be allowed to see the young lady first, and test her goodwill towards him, before her removal, as Mr. Sharp mildly called it, was attempted. His sanguine young heart had long been doing its utmost to convince him that his sweet-tempered and simple maid could never bring herself to the terrible cruelty of rejecting him. He felt how unworthy he was, but still so was everybody else, especially the villain with the four bay horses. From that scoundrel he would save her, even if he had to dissemble more than he had ever done before. Luke Sharp, with his eyes fixed on his son in lofty contemplation, beheld, as through a grand microscope, these despicable little reasonings. To argue with Kit was more foolish than filing a declaration against a man of straw. To suppose that Kit would ever really rebel was more absurd than to imagine that a case would be decided upon its merits. So be it, he said. But of course... Even you would never be quite such a fool as to tell her what your father and mother have done for her good. There still was a little to be done, and some nicety of combination to see to, and after a short consultation with his wife, the particular instructions as to management of Kit, Mr. Sharp rode off on his own stout horse, with a heavily loaded whip and a brace of pistols, because there were some rogues about. End of chapter 50